Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Market View on Money FM 89.3. That's right, you're listening to Money FM 89.3 and it's now time for Market View where we take a look at how the Singapore stock market is likely to close for the day, the biggest movers, sectors and companies to watch. But as always, we take you through uh, what happened earlier in the day. Singapore shares were put into positive territory following overnight gains on Wall Street. Now, no surprises there. That's after the Fed uh, decided to keep interest rates uh, steady. Now, Jerome Powell, he left the door open to more interest rate hikes further down the road, but uh, he, he did hinted that the Fed may be done with its current hiking cycle. So lots to watch uh, in that space. But as far as the Straits Times Index is concerned, it rose 0.4% early on to 3,088 points. Some 69 million securities changed hands in the broader market. The numbers on the SGX are still firming up. So here's what we are looking at for now. The benchmark Straits Times Index currently up 0.19% at 3,082 points. In terms of Value turnover, that's 924 million Sing dollars. Gainers outnumbered losers, 383 versus 217. Top five movers by value we have here DBS, UOB, Singtel, Yangtzejiang Shipbuilding, Sing dollars, and Capital Land Invest. Heavily traded securities, Cedrium and SMI Vantage. Now, in terms of companies to watch, we do have DBS. After the MAS yesterday imposed a six month pause on DBS's non-essential IT changes, and that's following repeated and prolonged disruptions of its banking services this year. Now, meanwhile, from more on Singpost's earnings to SoftBank pioneering a new bond-type stock, more local and regional headlines in focus today. And joining me on the line is David Chow, Director at Azure Capital. David, welcome. Hi, Tian. Good to be here every Thursday. Great to have you every other Thursday. Uh, let's start with the Fed's uh, rate decision, right, to keep rates uh, steady. I believe Fed Chair Jerome Powell he hinted that financial markets' higher treasury yields are helping the central bank in its fight against inflation. How would you read into yesterday's announcements and how has that weighed on the Singapore stock market? Okay, well, I think uh, the Asian market, and in particular the Singapore market, you know, deserve to have a uh, one-day rally today, you know, at the very least, on the back of this decision to leave the rate unchanged. Uh, I think, to be honest, uh, to me, Jerome can state whatever reasons he wanted this morning to justify this inaction. But, uh, you know, what's more important is to see you know, how the market pricing actually reacted after the Fed meeting. And what is notable from this decision is that, uh, mm. you know, market pricing for the December Fed Fed rate high, you know, remains at above twenty five percent. You know, with mm. the odds for January now at thirty eight percent, and you know, by the end of next year, we are looking at around seventy five basis points of cut, uh, you know, pricing. And you know, if you are look at these numbers, you know, before and after the Fed meeting, uh, these numbers are actually all unchanged. You know, hence I think, uh, you know, the market rally today resting in the Asian markets as well as the European markets now, as we speak, you know, we're solely looking for a reason to rally. So for the local market, uh, I think really to as high as you know three thousand one hundred and uh, zero five points, uh, you know an hour into trading before you know, coming back down slightly, and I'm sure the brief morning rally you know was seen you know as a cue for some of the funds to actually offload their Singapore stocks. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I you know this rally is definitely welcome you know for most of the market participants. 
Mm, and any surprises when it comes to some of the movers today? I believe uh, Singpost uh, returns to the black with a net profit of $11.5 million for the fiscal first half and September. Any surprises when it comes to Singpost? I don't think the uh, surprise element is there, especially. I mean, if you compare the year-on-year results carefully, uh, mm. I mean, if you look at last year's result, I think there was an ex- exceptional items, you know, relating to fair value loss on, uh, you know, freight management holdings or FMH for short. You know, this mainly referred to the put option redemption liability and uh, FMH, you know, for those uh, who have forgotten is uh, basically the entity in which, you know, Singapore was trying to acquire additional stakes in. Mm. And if you are look at this uh, liability amount last year, it actually came up to $24 million and really hurt their earnings, you know, before interest and tax uh, last year. But, you know, this year, so we don't have this item anymore. And, you know, under exceptional item, it was only a $2 million. So uh, the impact was not that significant compared to last year and actually aided in, you know, a 65% increase in uh, earnings before interest and taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, however, you know, having said that, um, I guess uh, all investors should still look at the operating profits, you know, which are the profits generated from their core business. This portion actually fell 24% year on year on yeah. the back of still challenging environment. Right. And let's zoom in on another company that we must watch for today, which is uh, DBS, uh, David. MAS mm-hmm. imposing a six-month pause on DBS's uh, non-essential IT changes, following, of course, repeated and prolonged disruptions of its banking services this year. How significant is this for DBS? Because I understand they mm-hmm. also cannot acquire new business ventures during the period. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, the financial impact will be, of course, uh, as what we have read, you know, with so we got entire operating costs and required capital. So, you know, there's not likely to be many properties in the MAS. So uh, I think the PS unveiled to improve uh, technology we learned yesterday. I think uh, they actually said that it will take two years to complete and you know they have set aside a special budget of eighty million to enhance uh, system uh, resiliency. This eighty million may not seem like much, you know, but in the most recent quarter, uh, you know, DBS actually saw its total operating costs, you know, uh, rise by sing dollars two hundred million year on year. So on the whole, you know, according to our research that appears to be a structural structurally higher cost base at DBS mm-hmm. to uh, to other banks. Yet this higher cost base is still not enough to keep its digital services operational to the liking of the regulators and uh, and you know, um as such, you know, we actually Wait for the details from management. Uh, I think they'll be reporting their 3Q results uh, in the next few days. So we would like to see you know, what's the impact from the latest round of uh, regulatory actions and the direct in- impacts uh, which mm-hmm. will involve their OPEC you know, and KPEX. So we have further details. Uh, we are keeping our internal target prices for DBS intact for now. Okay, if you're just tuning in, we're now in conversation with uh, David Chow, Director at Azure Capital. And David, in the meantime, let's take a look at what's happening in the region. SoftBank pioneering a new bond-type stock, which started trading in Tokyo. What is it all about and how should investors read into this? What does it suggest about perhaps an investor's appetite in Japan? Okay, I think the securities, uh, which are like bonds, you know, but essentially shares will be listed, of course, on the Tokyo Stock Exchange. So they don't give hold you know, voting rights as what, you know, typical equity holders get to enjoy. And furthermore, these uh, securities cannot be converted to common stock. And, you know, in the process, it costs no dilution. So how should we be reading into this? Uh, for us, you know, pricing is everything. And if you look at the pricing of these uh, bonds, slash shares, it was mm-hmm. priced at 
2.5%. And if we take this figure into context, it was actually the lowest end of you know, a range of between 25 to 3%. And this by itself actually pointed to strong demand from uh, possibly yield-hungry investors. And I mean, this is not surprising, you know, given that the yield curve control of the BOJ, which actually sets you know, longer-term bond yields at a 1% cap, uh, you know, and uh, I think a few days ago there was news that you know BOJ is considering adjusting this one percent cap to be slightly yeah. higher than one one percent. But um, taking all this into consideration, one percent is really quite low. Uh, you know, going by today's uh, high interest rate environment, so this two point five dividend yield is still by far a very decent yield for Japanese investors. Hence, I'm not surprised uh, there was a strong demand for this product. And finally, before we let you go, David, let's take a look at some corporate headlines. Online fashion retailer Zalando now expects 2023 sales to decline on on the back of weaker Q3 revenue. Likewise, if we look at ST Lauder, it cut outlook for the fourth time in the last 12 months, shares down what some 48% so far this year. Any common factors behind uh, the mm-hmm. performances here? I guess uh, I would say uh, that would be a yes or no, depending on which specific factor you know we are discussing. But mm-hmm. uh, Zalando, you know, we as we all know, is an online retailer in Europe. You know, which uh, actually benefited from the lockdown. Uh, you know, years ago, as shoppers turned to online shopping, so a very high base was established at yeah. that time. And you know, when you compare this high base to a post-pandemic recovery, you know, which reduces the volume of online shipping, definitely this will be a slowdown. And on this same pandemic, you know, SD, you know, yeah. will be affected due to its exposure to Asia travel credits, which is essentially your duty-free shopping uh, done in airports. I mean, no one could travel during the lockdowns and, you know, hence lesser demand during that specific period and, you know, affected its business. Um, you know, and another specific factors, you know, such as the Middle East conflict, which uh, SD cited as one of the reasons for earnings disruption mm-hmm. due to, you know, business disruption. Zalando was not, you know, directly affected by this geopolitical event, but instead it was affected by a slowdown in Germany, you know, Austria and Switzerland, which actually accounted for, I think, nearly half of their sales. And uh, I mean, if you zoom in on geographical slowdown, you know, SD, to be fair, you know, SD actually cited uh, slowing growth in mainland China, you know, which wasn't emphasized by Zalando as, as, as it mainly operates in Europe. So as such, you could probably, you know, deduce that certain parts of Europe and China were weak. And this could mean that we are seeing signs of consumer slowdown. Hmm, aside from that, I think Zalando said uh, there's an unusually warm September weighing on autumn and winter clothes. I, I hope you have mm-hmm. gotten all your travel clothes uh, in store ahead of the holiday season. Well, thanks a lot, David. That was David Chow, Director of Azure Capital. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.